When I told Dave the theme of what I was going to talk about this morning, we'll get to it in a moment. That's the song that he picked to go with this. And I'm telling you, when you hear the message, I'd love for you to, at some point today to go out, your MP3 player, MP9, whatever you have now, or iPad or iPhone, listen to that song again and make that as one of your mantras for the year. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to live one more day without this all-consuming passion to know you with everything I have. Just a great, great message in that song. All the songs this morning, I'd love for you to rehearse at some point after you hear the message. I know there are times that we flip it around so you hear the songs after the message, and today wasn't one of those, but they all tie in. So think of them carefully and listen to them at some point today. All I've heard this morning is how many people love Christmas Eve. And so we're delighted that you were here. We're honored for the involvement of so many different people. I highlighted Steve and the opening piece and Dave and all that he put together. But the whole band, to put that opening piece together and then the drum thing at the end was unbelievable. The hours and hours on end of practice and preparation that sometimes when we see the event, we forget all that goes into that. Those guys in the sound booth that because it's dark back there, you never see. They've been here the entire time. They were here for all of those practices and all the preparation. So I want to thank them again for such an amazing event. We had over 2,500 people here that night. We had over 2,500 people here that night, and and I I, I literally was blown away. Joe said to me uh, as we were going through it, he said, if you like crazy, this is a blast. We had over 1,150 in the first service, 760 in the second. So you think, now we've got almost 2,000 people. There are going to be six in the third service, and we had over 600. So it was just an amazing event, and I really appreciated all the people that went into it. I felt bad for the people that had to go in the overflow just because we were so full in that first one. But for those of you who volunteered to do that, thank you. I'm so sorry you missed it in here, but we really appreciate your willingness to do that. Hope you had a great Christmas and uh, a great New Year's start. I want to tell you, just before I get into the text this morning, about this amazing Christmas gift that I got my wife. I wanted to get her a piece of jewelry. And so I went to Kay's Jewelry. You know why you go to Kay's, right? Why do you go to Kay's? Because every kiss begins with K. Hello. I've got to have all the help I can get. So I went to, well, really, because I like Scott, who works over there. Went to Kay's Jewelry. And, and if you get anything from Kay's Jewelry, it's always wrapped the same. It's got this gold wrapping on it and a gold bow. So I knew she would know what it was. So I got this huge box downstairs in my garage, filled it with ammunition, and then put the... Have you heard this one? Did Joe tell you my story last week? He did? That was good, though, wasn't it? How crazy blessed are we? I listened to that sermon Thursday morning, and I thought, this is powerful. His end was incredible. And I I sat there in my office thinking, how blessed am I that these guys are all this exceptionally good? How many of you watched football this weekend? Four of you? Are you serious? There was a game on every seven minutes. You could OD on football this particular week. There were more bowls than anybody, other than the salad bowl and the soup bowl, there was a bowl for something. This The Motel 6 bowl? Are you kidding me? They left the light on because it was dark and you could see it. It was unreal. You could literally have OD'd on football this weekend. And we watched eight or ten of them. What fascinated me about watching all of these games, and I love college ball. I mean, I like 
pro ball, but I love college ball. They're playing for the passion of the game. The pride of their school or the passion of the game. Some of these guys know it's the last time in that uniform. And so they give it all they've got. They go out there and put every fiber of their being into it. And I thought, what if the solid followers of Jesus Christ put that much effort into everything we did? Can you imagine what this world would see? I love watching them play. I love those games where you never know how it's going to go until the very end. Now, are there some of those games, and it seemed like a lot of them this particular weekend, where one team could do no wrong and another team could do no right? I mean, it seemed like as I watched some of them unfold, one team could do no wrong and another team could do no right. And sometimes that's the way our life goes. Sometimes you never know how it's going to go to the very end. You watch it, you're standing on the edge, you've got to watch my wife watch Steeler football every once in a while. She did it with Noel, she did it with Cowher, she's doing it now with Tomlin. I mean, she is standing in the last two minutes, even if we take the game, she's standing at the last two minutes, pacing and praying, just wondering how are they going to pull it out? Why do they always have us wait to the end to see if they're going to win? Right? And you watch those games and it goes back and forth and you feel like you're on an emotional roller coaster if you're really behind the team or it's your team or you love, you love Ohio State. There's only one guy that loves Ohio State, but if you really like them... You know, you watch that and you wonder, are they going to make it? Are they going to do it? Are they going to win? Are they going to win the championship? And, and I'm, I'm rooting for Clemson because I don't like Alabama. You know, the whole deal over the next few weeks. And I began to watch that and think about that. And I realized that's a lot of how life is. That's a lot of how 215 has been. Up and down, back and forth, you, you're on these emotional highs and then the bottom falls out at some point or the other. You feel like you're on top of the world and the phone call comes and you feel like the bottom just fell out of your bucket. And as I began to think about that and think about where we are at this year and where we're going into the next year, I thought, that's really how life is a lot of the time. And that's for a lot of people, and maybe in this room here this morning, how 2015 was. Up and down, back and forth. You felt like you were on top of the world at one point, depressed on the other. Some days you win, some days you lose. Now, I don't want to burst your bubble, but just because we flipped the calendar and it turns now to 2016, I want you to know right up front, 2016 could be the same. Sometimes we think, well, if I can just get this year behind me, if I can somehow take down that calendar that said 2015 because it's really been a bad year and I can get to 2016, man, it's going to be a good year. Everything's going to change. World's on top. We're going places. And then somewhere in mid-January, you're going, what happened? Even though you change the calendar and you get a brand new one, you take the old one down and put this new one up with all the fancy pictures and all the writing on it, all you did is change from one day to the next. And you never know how it's going to go. And because I know that's going to happen, because you know that's going to happen, up and down, back and forth, never uncertain, and never really certain, I want to talk to you not about a new year or even all the resolutions that we make. I want to talk about who we are on the inside and, and maybe even looking at what I want to do here, not just because I've flipped the calendar. And because I know that's the kind of year it's going to happen and the kind of year that it could be, up and down, back and forth, it's not really what happens. It's how I respond to those up and downs that determine what kind of year it's going to be. If we focus on the right things, no matter what the year has in store, it could really be a good one. You have your sermon notes in your bulletin this morning, so I want you to take them out and follow along with me as we 
walk through this time together. When I talk about a new you, now the world has another concept in mind. They think about the outside. Found an article, it's probably old now, and the, the number is a little outdated, but the article basically said, you want a new you? We can do that for a certain amount of money. You can get an eyebrow lift for 2300 bucks. The bags under your eyes, I don't have them, but I know some of you do. The bags under your eyes, two grand, you can take them away. You can reshape your nose for 2200 bucks. You can get a facelift for another 2300 This thing in your chin, you know, for some that have, I'm not going to look it up, but for some that has a couple of them there, 1750 bucks. you can do away with that. I calculated them all up, and for around 10000 bucks, you can have a brand new you. Now, when I began to think about that, I thought, you know what? If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I die and go to heaven, I get a brand new me for nothing. Isn't that awesome? Get to start all over again. I'm not talking about that kind. I'm talking about who we are on the inside. Because in your sermon, those temporary change is outward, but permanent change is inward. Anything we do for the outward body is basically going to decay away. Paul has, this, Paul has this great sense of encouragement. I love it. He says, hey, I want you to know the outward man is going to fade away. You can tuck it. You can pull it. You can do, stretch it. You can do whatever you want. I just want you to know at some point it's all going to fall apart. How many of you know that's the truth? All right. My arms are just long enough now to read the text that I get on my phone. My sermon, 16 font, so that I can see it. My hairdresser, she says to me, look, I'm not a magician. I'm just telling you, do not look at that screen anymore and look at yourself. Because when you turn backwards, everybody sees that you're getting less and less pretty much every week you're standing there. A few weeks ago, I was throwing football with Ryan in the gymnasium for TNL. I think we were there. And man, I was just humming that thing. Literally from one end of the gym to the other. I still think I could throw it 40 yards. Come up to me next Sunday and he said, you know what? You throw pretty good for an old man. <laughs> what he didn't know is my arm was in a sling for three days after doing that. Paul said, look, I want you to know the outward guy, no matter what you do, is eventually going to fall away. And you can't slow that process down. But that inward man, man, that can be renewed day by day by day. All change begins in your sermon notes this morning when there's dissatisfaction with the present, awareness of a better way, and knowledge of how to get there. But the honest part about that is if you don't want to improve on the inside, you won't. If you don't want to improve on the inside, you won't. You can go through the motions. That's why that song was so powerful. You can go through the motions and everybody here will think you're okay. But if you don't want to really improve on the inside, you don't want to be a better person with a better attitude and a better outlook on life, you won't. You've got to decide, I really want to do something about this. Stay in shape, do great things for your body, eat right. Absolutely, you should do all of that. But more importantly in here. Number three, a time to begin has to be set, which is why many people at the beginning of the year say, you know what, I, I look backwards, and, and, and I do that a lot. I do it at anniversaries, and we do it at certain birthday celebrations, and I, I do it a lot on this kind of a weekend because it is a quiet moment, and man, we spent New Year's Eve and New Year's Day just in quietness, and you look backwards, and you look ahead, and, and, and many of us do that, and it's an opportunity to say, you know what, these are some of the things I want to do better. I'm not talking about resolutions. You know as well as I do, the average resolution is kept how long, do you know? 17 days. You're only halfway into January and they're gone already. 
So I'm not talking about a list of resolutions, which are awesome, and I get all of that. I'm talking about, you know what? There are some things, and there's my relationship with God, and what I do and how I play that out or how I live that out that I really want to analyze and improve on. And then finally, there needs to be a continual accountability to God and to other people. If, if indeed you decide to do that, I encourage you to find somebody. I, I use the word accountability here. It's, it's, it's awesome. I use a better phrase called green light. In other words, who has green light in your life? Who have you given green light to to say, you can ask me anything at any point about everything? How am I doing? I told you how I wanted to do it. Would you, hope, would you help me out? This is the, these are the areas of my life I want to improve on this year. And so I'm telling you what they are. And I want you to hold, hold me accountable to that. And so it's not like, okay, every Thursday we're going to meet together. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. It's they can walk into your life at any point, at any time, and say, how you doing? This is what you said you were going to do. This is what you said you were going to get rid of. How you doing? If indeed you want that, we've got to be in connectivity and relationships of some point. Small group, life group, accountability group, two or three prayer partners. We've got men's ministry here that are awesome and women's ministry, just tons of things. But the people in your life or someone in your life where you're saying, you know what, these are the areas of my life I've got to change. Joe did a phenomenal job last Sunday Sunday morning with a treasure box. And and I hope you found somebody to say, this is the one thing I I wanted to give and... uh, but I need you to hold me accountable to that because I, I said to him, I wanted to lay this down and I need you to hold me accountable to that. Paul talks in Philippians 3, one of my favorite sections of scripture. If somebody say to me, just got a Bible for Christmas, where would I start? I would say Philippians, James, and Ephesians, my three favorite New Testament books. He says in verse seven, whatever gains to me, I count for loss for the sake of Christ. Philippians 3. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I've lost everything. I consider them garbage that I can gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but a, one that comes through faith in Christ, the, the righteousness that comes from God on basis of faith. No matter how well you do whatever you think your Christian life should look like, if we're trying to do it on our own or only doing it on our own power, it's always at some point or the other going to fall short. I mean, if you were to die tonight and stand before God and he would say, why would I let you in? Most of us would say, I went to church. I did well. I gave money. I, I, I read the Bible. I was in a service. I, I taught a class. And those are awesome things. The problem is we never know how many of them all measure up to meet his expectations. And let me just tell you right now, none of them will. Because his expectation, expectation is perfection and we won't get there. And you don't want to wait till then to find out. It's not like you can say, oh, I did meet all your expectations. Wait a minute. I'll go back and live this life over again. When I die the second time, I'll make sure that I'm there. Paul said, look, I've tried to do it on my own. It didn't work. All the things that I thought I could gain access to heaven was none of it was. I I tried. Now I realize I don't have a righteousness of my own that comes from keeping the law. I come to faith in Christ. Because of what Jesus did for me on the cross that we're going to celebrate this morning. And I received him as my savior. I walk into the presence of almighty God. Not because of what I did, but because of what he did. Paul says, okay, in light of all of that, I I want to get there someday. I want a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of my faith in him. Which means then I want to know Christ. I really want to know Christ want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to participate in his sufferings because to be really honest with you, if I'm honest with myself, I know sometimes going through deep waters is some of the best ways to learn these lessons. 
So God, I not only want to understand the power of your resurrection so that I can have new life in Christ, I want to be really honest about knowing that it's going to take me through some really deep waters to get there as well. And Because I know the end results, I'm okay with that. Becoming like him in his death so that somehow I'll attain the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I've obtained all of this, We've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, I forget what's behind. I strain forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's a good goal. Three things out of that that I want to talk to you about this morning. Number one is priorities. When you look at this section of Scripture, it's very easy to see what was on the top of Paul's priority list. I want to know Christ. Paul was consumed with growing spiritually. On the front of your bulletin every week is, I want to grow in wisdom. People who are intentional about relationships and service. But in the middle of that is, I've come to faith in Christ. He's transformed me by the power of the cross. And because of that, I want to grow in wisdom. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I don't want to go through the motions. I really want to deepen my walk with God. Paul was consumed with growing spiritually. What would happen this year to you and I if our greatest passion all of us have a lot of passions. What would happen if our greatest passion was to know Christ? To make him first in all we do. To make him first in our daily schedule, not give him the leftovers. To make him first in our giving. To look at our finances and our resources and know that he's placed everything in our hands. And I want to make sure that he gets the first fruits of that, not what's left over. Because i got to try to figure out how I'm going to live on that. So when I'm done and all said and done, I want to give him what's left over. I want to give him first and trust him for the rest. What do you think would happen if we really set out to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength and love our neighbors ourselves? That's not memorizing every verse in all the New Testament. What would happen if I really set out to love God with all of my heart, not cognitively, but passionately, not with my head, but with my heart, with all of my mind, all of my strength, and love people as he does? What would happen if we fit into God's agenda instead of trying to make him fit into ours? Look, God, i got a lot to do. My kids are in 27 different activities, and, and, and we'll try to get to church once a month. I'll try to send them to youth group once every six weeks. But we got a lot going on, God. What would happen if we said, you know what? He and their spiritual life comes first. And we'll fit these in. We'll do what we can and help them and encourage them. But what would happen if we said, you know what? Now he comes first. English word that, that we know as know means to learn through study. It means to know intuitively, to understand because we've been there before, we've studied it or researched it. Paul's not talking about that. When he uses the word, I want to know Christ, he's talking about intimately, not cognitively, but passionately. Not talking about the head, he's talking about the heart. He said, I want to really, really fall head over heels in love with God. Do you all remember falling head over heels in love with your spouse? And I do. I'm going to tell you something. I want it to stay here. Because <laughs> somehow this stuff's getting out. Okay? I'm going to tell you a little bit of my high school career story. And I don't want it spread all over the place. And I don't want people all over the community asking me about it. 
Because you have me on a high pedestal, and what I'm about to tell you is to show you some things that aren't really that pleasant, and I don't want you to distract from where you had me before, okay? So just let that go. I lived to date in high school. If they said yes, we were going out. I was in love in fourth grade with Janice McGraw. I was in love with fifth grade with somebody else. Sixth grade was, I mean, it just kept on going. I was, I thought I was in love with every girl that would say yes. And I love to date. My high school didn't have a lot of believers, really small high school. My class was only 60, I think, some in graduating class. So, and I didn't have a, a, a solid youth group like we're blessed with here. Got involved in YFC Campus Life, Youth for Christ Campus Life. It was phenomenal. And I loved it. Twelve different high schools full of girls that were coming to these events <laughs> that we had. And I couldn't wait to every rally they had. There was one point in my junior or senior year, I can't remember which one it was, that I was dating three different girls from three different high schools. None of them knew it. Okay, guys are jerks, right? I mean, you, uh, how many ladies would agree? I mean, we really are. And I know that blows your bubble to you think that I was really a wonderful guy. I was a jerk in some of those relationships. And I thought I could get away with that. Until all of a sudden, at the end of the year, at YFC Campus Life, we go to Ocean City, New Jersey for a huge rally on a music pier in Ocean City of 12 to 1,500 kids. And all three of them showed up. Not in one of the five buses that were there. They all three showed up at my bus. <laughs> Believe me, I didn't have a date with any of the three of them throughout the week. Went out to college. I get a whole new set of gals to date and a whole new set of girls to ask. And so I did. Every single month, I was dating another girl. Everybody went, what is so wrong with you? You are so stinking shallow. But I was having a blast. Came summer, went back home to where I lived, dated one of the ones that was on the bus. I never believed that she would go back out with me again. But for the summer, we did that. Went back to the fall in my sophomore year thinking, this is good, man. Whole new freshman class coming in. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Until freshman orientation, I saw a blue-eyed bombshell that blew me away. Less than 10 months later, we were married. At 18, going on 19 years old. And this summer, we celebrated 42 years. And to this day, when I rehearsed that story in my head that I thought, I'm going to take a risk and share it with you if you don't tell anybody else. <laughs> I remembered it like that. I was in love. And a few months ago, when we went away again, we just sat there looking at each other saying, do you believe this? 42 years after all of this and still having a blast together. I accepted Jesus when I was in, high, or in uh, 12 or 13 years old, 1965. I know it was March 1965. Knelt down by my bed and accepted Christ as my Savior. But it was in high school, in YFC Campus Life, that I fell in love with God. And nothing has ever been the same since. You remember what it was like when you fell head over heels in love with your spouse? Do you remember what it was like when you fell head over heels in love with God? If you do, nothing has ever been the same since. And if you haven't, you need to because I'm telling you, nothing will ever be the same after that. What would it be like if I said this year, I want to know him like I've never known him before? Not just up here, maybe in here even too. But now I want to give you everything. Well, to do that, you've got to have a plan. And Paul talks about that for a moment in this section of Scripture. 
In his case, I'm sorry, <clears throat> in his case is threefold. He's honest about the present. He's not going to let the past hold him back. He's honest about the present, and he's not going to let the past hold him back. What I, one of the reasons that I love this section of Scripture is Paul. I mean, Paul's an icon, for heaven's sakes. This is the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. And he honestly said, look, I'm not where I need to be. If I were to ask you that question this morning, how many of you are where you need to be with God, so satisfied with your relationship with God? If you didn't raise your hand, you were honest. If you did raise your hand, you were either deaf or dead. Because none of us would honestly say, I'm exactly where I want to be. I don't think, anyhow. And I love the fact that Paul's honest about that. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And secondly, I'm not going to let all of that hold me back from moving forward into my relationship with God. One of the things that's so hard in my ministry life and all of these years is watching people who come to faith in Christ, who let their past hold them back and haunt them constantly. Paul said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to let the past hold me back. I'm not going to carry it around like a suitcase or an anchor to drag me back every time I think I'm moving forward. If you have come to faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've asked him forgiveness, you are forgiven. So forgive yourself, receive that forgiveness, and move on. Don't keep letting your past hold you back or drag you down. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient for all of your sins. Dave's going to read one of the most powerful sections of Scripture I've ever heard, especially out of the message in a moment before we sing. You are going to be blown away by that. Paul said, look, I, because of what he did and he says it's sufficient, why would I ever want to go back? If you are forgiven, if, if you've asked for forgiveness, you're forgiven. He cast him as far away as the east is from the west. Why would you ever want to keep dragging it around anymore? Some of us need to let go of our past. Some of us, secondly, need to change our past. To do that, there are a few things here in your notes this morning. One, maybe you've got to change your crowd. There's a fascinating verse out of Proverbs that's repeated in the New Testament. Bad company corrupts good behavior. That's a huge statement on the influence of evil. Bad company corrupts good behavior. If you're doing some of the wrong things and things you don't want to do, perhaps you may need to change your crowd because they're having a huge influence on you. Secondly, you may need to change direction. If you're doing one thing and you know, I don't want to keep going down this path, don't want to keep looking at that, reading that, watching that, going there, hearing that, then you need to turn around and walk away from that, change your direction. And the only way you're ever going to get where you need to go is keep going that way. Sometimes we need to change our thinking. Number three, about yourself, others, God, misconceptions, as I said a moment ago. When you realize that you're forgiven and God has, the God of the universe forgave you, forgive yourself. If, you're being, if that's being brought up in your life, it's not from him. Change your thinking about yourself or others. I'm valued in God's sight. Did you see that opening piece? Everything, it just, Dave packaged it so amazingly well. But that opening piece, you're fearfully and wonderfully made by the hands of creative God. He doesn't make junk, so don't keep looking down at yourself. Well, I'm just a, whatever that uh is that you go back to all the time. I'm a son and daughter of the living God. And I'm thrilled with that. Change your thinking and what you process and what you put in. 
Philippians 4.8, if it's not your sermon notes, write it down there somewhere. I don't think it is. No, it's not. Put it in there. Whatever's noble, whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about that. Process that. Keep putting that in. Junk in, junk out. Trash in, trash out. What your kids are watching, what they're listening to, trash in, trash out. You have to know that. And so you have to monitor that. I can't keep allowing that stuff to go in knowing there's some magic filter in there that takes it away. It doesn't. Those images are burned in your brain. There's a, it's a way it's wired that literally is burned in your brain. So that means I can. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, take every thought captive. And number four, you've got to challenge your heart. You've got to say, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm not going to keep going back. I'm going forward. I'm going to fall head over heels in love with God. I'm going to strain. He says in verse 13, I love about his priorities. I'm going to strain every nerve. I'm giving it all I've got. I'm not going to go through the motions. I'm not going to be half-hearted about it. I'm going to give it everything I have. The attitudes are listed for you in your sermon notes this morning that he's embracing and putting on, being honest about who I am with God, where I'm at with God, what I want from God, what I want to be in him. Not allowing yesterday's problems to limit or hold me back. I'm going to keep moving ahead in my relationship with God. Some of the most deadly statements. Never done it that way before. Or I tried it before and I failed. Those are are statements from hell. Never done it that way before. Great. Let's try it. Or I tried it before and I failed. Probably have. Sure know I have. But don't let that hold you back. 2016 is here. It could be the most amazing year you've ever had in your life or the bottom could fall out of your bucket by the end of Thursday. It's not a matter of what happens. It's not a matter of all the things that happen or getting through a year unscathed where everything seems to go right. For my friend, everything seems to go wrong. It's not always about that because that's so unpredictable. You can't even figure out what's going to happen by 1 o'clock today. It's so unpredictable. So with the things that I can't predict and I can't control, and I can't control the aging process, it's going to happen. But I can change this, and I can make this different, and I'm going to go after this with everything I have. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the power that it holds. I love Paul's passion. I love his honesty. And so, God, in the name of Jesus, as we process that and then share in communion, may... We hear from you, and may you hear from us as we do that. In the name of Christ, we pray. Dave's going to lead us in Lamb of God with a team, and uh, then we're going to celebrate communion. All the communion stores are going to come down right at the end of Lamb of God. I won't give you any instructions. The elements have, are, if you've never been here before, in the same tray, so just help the people around you and beside you. And then while Tom plays on the, on the guitar... Just spend some time with God. What, what I love about communion, it's a great time to be honest with myself and a great time to be honest with God. And then I'll come up and lead you, and then we'll close in prayer. No matter how many times I tell you to not let your past hold you back, you still wrestle with that. I'd love to help you. We'd love, we have some incredible resources here that would help you with that, to move ahead in your relationship with God. For others of you, you really want to get connected to other aspects of the family of God so that you can move forward in your relationship with Him. And we want to help you with that as well. So please let us know where we can do that. Now today is family experience, kindergarten to fifth grade. 
They had a lot of fun in the first one from what I heard. You're going to want to make sure you get your kids and go there this morning as a family so you can do that. If I can pray for you in any way or we can, we'd love to do that. God bless you. Thank you so very much for being here today. I'll see you next Sunday.